This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Uh, still, for now, playing football time. Hopefully, that remains the case. Time, things going to be a lot different. Time, that's okay because uh, anything that doesn't totally suck in 2020 is pretty fun. Time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24/7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from. Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon, another warm, sunny afternoon, another 90-degree day. Bring it on. Love that. Love that. A lot of people don't like this weather. I love it. Not just me on this podcast, though. Someone else who I bet appreciates this weather because he can get out and run in it, and it's so humid and wonderful and disgusting. It's our good friend from the Blunt County Satellite Office at GoBalls 24-7, Tennessee basketball and recruiting and everybody else rider grant ramey grant you like this weather buddy i can confirm that it is hot and you will get sweaty if you go outside it's what's good bring it on yeah i i I like it i like it a lot of people uh my wife included don't like this weather this is this is the weather for me man i love this stuff i love to get out in the heat the old thanks to the old baseball days and you know the cubs might speaking of baseball the cubs might never lose again which is kind of awesome so uh, lots and lots of good things out there. Lots of reason for uh, I don't. Do we call it optimism, Grant, or do we call it just not pessimism? What are we What are we calling this? Optimism for sure. Opt- Think positive thoughts. Speak, speak it into existence. Well, for now, Same. anyways, it's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, for now, anyways, what what we said we thought was going to happen when we recorded the first podcast this week that has indeed happened. Uh, the uh, the Big Ten, as expected, has decided that it will not play in this calendar year. Uh, the Pac-12, which, as I called it, the uh, the the hall to the oats of, of the Big Ten, they decided they also were not going to play this calendar year. No sports, obviously, not just football, but any of them until at least uh, the new year. Big Ten's talked about some spring football. They're trying to move forward with that. We'll see what happens. But the SEC... Uh, the ACC, as expected, held the line, and the Big Twelve, which was kind of the uh, the swing state, yeah, kind of the swing state, kind of the uh, who gets the family Bible uh, part of the equation. The Big Twelve for now is a little split, but it seems to be leaning toward wanting to play at this point. So, Grant, it's anything in this year that's not pessimism, I guess by default, is optimism, and it seems like three of the Three of the five Power Five leagues, 60% of the Power Five leagues, uh, along with the AAC and others, have decided that they are going to try to play. So good news, right? Right. If you wake up and your favorite team's conference does not cancel its season outright, you got a reason to be optimistic. And, and it feels like the SEC 
as much as they love football, uh, it just means more uh, has been their slogan for how long now that hopefully they'll be the last Years. one to, you know, they'll go as far as they can do everything possible to, to try to get some form of a football season on the field. Yeah. And there has been a couple of other news items in that way. Uh, Patrick Brown, our, our coworker, I was going to say beloved coworker. Let's just go with coworker. He's uh He's he's been kind of, he's kind of a jerk during baseball season when the Braves are playing the Cubs. He uh, has some new news, I guess we could call it. Uh, Grant looks like, and this isn't anything that that we wouldn't have expected, but uh, Chancellor uh, Dondi Plowman, UTK's chancellor, uh, speaking with the governor and some other people, looks like there. If there is football, it's going to look different as we expected. Yeah, uh, no tailgating. Obviously, uh, that was not obviously because it's something she announced today, and that's. A newsworthy item that there's not going to be tailgating at Tennessee outside of Neyland Stadium for the, the 2020 season, and there's going to be fan reductions at Neyland Stadium, obviously, uh, if there were fans in the stadium. I think that's a positive at this point, uh, just hoping, A, that football gets played, and B, that somebody can be there uh, to see it played. Uh, but no tailgating, it's it's going to be, even if they do play 10 games and they, they play out a full, you know, a full schedule at this point and everything kind of goes off, relatively smoothly it's still going to be such a crazy bizarre scene like a, I don't know almost like an open practice or open scrimmage or something like we used to watch in fall camp back years ago except it's going to be two teams on the field and nobody else there yeah I wonder if some of these you know because you it's not going to be like it is in in, in the European soccer you know that they've decided to they've basically they've done some neat things with you know, uh, putting kind of those um, banners kind of over the stands and putting some neat kind of art and graphics and things. And you're seeing in Major League Baseball, you're seeing some teams go with the whole like pictures of fans in the stands or, you know, just different ways to go about things. I I wonder what college football will do there because it's not like you can use an entire section, you know, to do something like that, probably because you're going to be spacing people out. So you want – there's still going to be people spread throughout the stadium, but it might look like the end of a blowout game or something like that with people just in different pockets. I think Philip Fulmer had a quote saying, uh, we won't be 100%. I'm hopeful we might be 50 or be like most folks and looking at 20% or 25%. So it, it's going to look different if it happens, but I don't think you can probably do anything like the graphics and stuff like that because you'll need the, the space to fan out. But the bottom line is we're we're talking about a lot of things here that are not ideal, but they do include football. And that has been the big thing, right, Grant? Because it was when the Big Ten did this. I, I, a lot of people said it. I'll be honest. I said it for weeks. I thought if any of the Power Five conferences decided they were not going to play football this fall – I thought the rest of them would just follow suit. I just that just seemed like the way it was going to go because it's hard to fathom a fall football season being played without, um, you know, like an Ohio State or a Michigan or you know USC and Oregon. It's just it's just hard to see how a season without them is kind of a real season. Uh, but I mean, this whole thing is unique, right? Are they going to wait until to see if the Big Ten plays in the spring or Pac-12 does, and then? try to crown a national champion from all that? I mean, do they just avoid that this year? There are so many questions on my mind right now. Yeah, and, and I – it almost feels like football. It's it's almost like it's the fall or bust because I don't know how you – you know, I've seen the proposed dates for spring football and starting around New Year's and, and trying to be wrapped up pretty early on. I just don't know how you 
pitch playing that number of games in one calendar year and still talk about safety and health and, and trying to do what's best for your players. Cause I, I, I don't think that's healthy. Uh, I don't think your body is adjusted to playing a 10 game spring season um, and then kind of going straight into summer conditioning and then going back into another season uh, in the fall. I want them to play spring football. I want there to be that reward for everybody that's uh, spent the last six months waiting on sports to come back and is still going to be waiting uh, through a weird fall. Uh, but it just, I don't know how feasible it seems. So the fact that they're even talking about attendance at this point, they're talking about fans, uh, they're talking about playing the game. Uh, that's a pretty big reason for optimism. And it's, its I'm glad that it didn't happen like March 12th happened where the Big Ten cancels its tournament, the ACC cancels SEC, almost, you know, that domino effect where one fell mm-hmm. and they all fell. Um, I, it was interesting to say, I, I agree with you. I thought when the Big Ten uh, did something, I thought others would fall in line. And I think people expected the Pac-12 to do so. I think people expected the rest of the conferences to do so, at least some people, uh, and it didn't happen. So here's holding out hope that they're going to keep holding out. And I think you, you give the SEC credit for pushing back to September 26th. Uh, the Big Ten didn't do that. They're still Correct. trying to go on September 5th for some reason. Uh, buy yourself as much time as you can and try to figure this thing out. Uh, I don't think I don't know why there's any rush. There's any deadlines on having to announce something or uh, put a plan forward. Um, keep buying yourself time as long as you can and see what happens. Yeah, and I've I've thought about that a lot because if you you know college basketball season you know wraps around two different semesters every year. You know you you start the season with non conference stuff and. You know, then you break for for the holidays, for winter break, for 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 Christmas and all that, and then you come back and you usually go right into conference play, kind of traditionally, sort of right after that, and it's sort of split that way. And there's no reason why you couldn't say, you know, September 26th, October 26th, just push it back, push it back, and then you're still finishing. I would imagine in enough time to get guys a little bit of time to unwind, prepare for the draft, in some cases get their bodies right. You know, if you shrink, let's say, a month off of the what would normally be a regular season or, or downtime, you can work around that. That's not ideal, but you can still make that work. When you're talking about condensing like or, or getting rid of three months of a normal off season, that's a game changer because – these guys, and you see this, there's a reason why the NFL, you know, they've talked about going to that 18 game season and those players fight back against it. You, you know why they're doing that. It's the same reason why they're trying to get less contact during the week. It's the same reason why they don't want to play exhibition preseason games because that's just more mileage on the tires and there's only so many miles you have on them. I cannot imagine, and I know old school people will sit there and roll their eyes and yada yada whatever they used to be four days in between games during the 1918 flu outbreak i get all of that i get it maybe people were just harder back then whatever (laughs) but you i just cannot imagine playing 25 to 30 real football games in a calendar year i cannot imagine with everything we know about what those off seasons entail what their bodies look like after just a couple of games of the regular season it's a mash unit immediately and to, to just go from right from that one to another with everything we know about CTE also, I just, Grant, I just, I think Trey Smith was right when he said, I just don't know how 
a spring season works. I, it's almost like if you don't go for the fall, then you're just skipping a year. Yeah. And, and you don't have any answers right now. And it feels like you don't have any idea when you're going to have any answers. So what can you plan for the spring that's based on anything known? I mean, you can, you know, there's nothing. And I think at least specifically to the SEC, I think people would, kill for just six games if it came down to that just play your six divisional teams yeah uh, try to have some semblance of an sec championship game uh, and that's better than nothing i mean a 10 game uh, a 10 game schedule would be great the five and five and, and four cross divisional opponents maybe you play those uh, six divisional games first and try to get the important stuff out of the way and then figure out what the last month of the schedule looks like uh, but i think in terms of kind of a deadline i would work back from the combine because you don't want to compromise the schedule of your uh, most elite talent you know these guys want to get to the league they want to get the next level they want to get paid they want to do this for a living that starts at the combine uh and for a guy like trey smith you don't want to mess up his schedule to get to the combine you want to keep him in the fold with your team without him having to sacrifice too much I, i don't know why somebody like justin fields would play in the spring when he has so much riding on um his, you know, his body of work moving forward in, in the NFL. I think you work back. You want to be done with football season X number of weeks before the uh, NFL combine and kind of base your schedule around there and, and your contingency plans from a 10-game season to eight-game season to a, I think, six would be the minimal number uh, and go from there. It's just, I mean, minimal number in my mind. That's just my insight. Um, and see what happens because some – something on the field is going to be better than nothing. And I think if you put all your chips uh, toward spring football and this, this idea and kind of this pipe dream at this point that uh, you're really risking getting burned and having no football until 2021. Yeah. And and I just, I don't see what you're hurting by going back to, you know, October, November, you know, it's still at that point, you're still giving yourself enough breathing room to work with and and I just I, I I cannot for the life of me understand how yeah I think I saw the the, the Ohio State athletic director said just the medical science came at them kind of like a, a fire hose or whatever just everything kind of it snowballed and, and I heard someone I, I know a couple people who work in the Pac-12 and they said the same thing that that from their opinion it just seemed like it seems crazy but that in a few days just a whole some reports got to them that just really spooked them and okay maybe i'll listen to that i can't say who's right or wrong i'm not qualified to say that to be quite honest i've been candid about that from the beginning i don't know what's right to do here should you play should you not play i i, I don't know that that's that's something that, that smarter people that's a decision for smarter people than me uh and for most of us to make but I just don't see what you're what you're hurting by saying, okay, obviously the fifth isn't going to work. Let's go to October fifth or October twelfth or October nineteenth, whenever. Just pick a weekend and say, okay, that's the new target date. Uh, we could still play ten games there. The winter holidays will be a little bit different, you know. Hey, play a game around there. That that could be different, you know. It's been a weird year anyway. L- give us something to, new to watch around then. I mean, I I just there had to be a better way than saying here's the schedule and then a few days later saying nope, actually we're just we're just gonna wait. Uh, that makes it look like you have absolutely no idea what you're doing. And you know what? Through this pandemic, I think it's been pretty clear. Most of us don't know what we're doing, uh, but make it look a little less obvious. 
I mean, in, in January in Wisconsin, in January in Michigan, in Iowa, I mean, the Iowa high school football system, they play like a condensed, or at least they used to, playoff system where it's like five games in like two and a half weeks because they're trying to beat the weather. Yeah. They're trying to get their season done before all the snow and crazy cold weather moves in. Are you really going to play Michigan, Wisconsin at Camp Randall in January when there's, you know, how much snow's on the ground and, and how cold is it? And I mean, you're going to play, you know, Big Ten country is not obviously not known for its warmth and, and sunshine. I mean, if, if you're going to try to do that in the spring, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't know why you cancel and cut it off at this stage when you could just try to push back. We are really good at procrastinating. It's really easy to do that. Yes. Just keep pushing it back. I mean, it's it's like that homework assignment on the weekend. Wait till you hear that sixty minutes music yes. before you even start anything, and then go from there. Because I don't I don't understand what you what that hurts to push it back and delay it. As long as you're transparent. I mean, the SEC Sankey says, or he put out a statement saying that they were going to continue to kind of move forward, looking at everything that they can look at and and go from there. I don't, I don't know why you're in a rush to cancel it, cut it off when you could just wait and, and see what happens. It's also red meat for conspiracy theorists, which is not something I particularly enjoy, but it, that's what this is. This is red meat for those people to, to start looking into things. And, and I just, the whole thing is just, it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it sucks. I, I can't say who's right and who's wrong here. I, I know people want to, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. I, I just, what I do feel comfortable saying is uh, you didn't have to make this decision yet, but we'll have more on that going forward. I know that there's tons going on. I'm sure we'll get questions about that when we do the mailbag uh, in the second segment as well. The The bottom line is right now, the SEC, ACC, Big 12, and others are trying to move forward, and that's where we are. Before we go to break, I do want to mention this too. There's been another uh, Tennessee basketball offer locally. Uh, Tennessee has gone to a uh, back to Knoxville Catholic High School, which is what, Ramey? The best high school in the world, right? We can all agree on that. Uh, that is uh, – they've been putting out prospects left and right, a bunch of football guys, obviously, that you know. Uh, now there's some basketball guys, too. They won the state title last year. I think the entire starting five from that team is going to get going to go D1. Uh, a second one of those has gotten uh, a Tennessee offer. Uh, we all know about point guard B.J. Edwards, a uh, big-time player in the 2022 class. Uh, the, the Knoxville Catholic will be a junior this season. Uh, he's a guy who's already got Tennessee offers and a bunch of other offers. And, and now Tennessee's also gone and offered the seven-footer from that team, uh, Hanji Tamba or Hanji Tamba. Uh, he's a kid who will be a junior this year. He's rated 173 overall in the composite. Think he has a chance to move up. I've heard some good things about his upside, uh, his his athleticism at seven foot tall. So uh, another local offer. Grant, it just seems like, you know, Tennessee, these local offers probably mean more now because when you're recruiting top five-ish classes, you can be more selective. Uh, but if, so if Tennessee wants you right now, there's got to be a reason. Right. Uh, they're selective with their offers. That's that's one way uh, college basketball recruiting is different from college football recruiting, especially when you've had some success recently uh, as a college basketball program is you, you become more selective with those offers. So for him to get one to be a 2022 kid and already have one, uh, that means they like you a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot of Kyle Alexander in this one where you mentioned upside. I think that's where the emphasis is uh, pretty raw, a little bit of a project in terms of what he would have to do 
to be an SEC caliber forward, um, but that's fine because you look at Kyle, what they did with him, you can't teach seven foot and athleticism, uh, the size and length and athleticism that he has. Uh, so if you can get in the boat early on a guy like him and, and watch him grow, if he can be part of your program, that would be huge. And yeah, I mean, a local kid like him and BJ Edwards, it's huge to have that kind of talent in your backyard. It's huge to have that connection uh, to the Bobby Mays, B Mays elite AAU yes, program, uh, which Tampa plays for as well. So uh, keep keep working those connections and, and kind of keep that talent going because uh, the role they're on recruiting right now is uh, a really good one, and they're trying to keep it going. Yeah, uh, Tennessee did, was not the first kind of major program to step in and offer. Tennessee's been recruiting him from the outset. There's been a lot of interest in him. Obviously, you see a seven-footer who plays about 10 minutes from your campus. You're, you're going to get pretty interested pretty quickly. Uh, right. But, but the, you know, e- even in positionless basketball where you see, you know, a little bit more guards and some other things, you know, seven-footer is a seven-footer, uh, and, and he's someone who can run at that size. He's got really good athleticism. He is a beanpole, string bean, seven-foot, 215, um, but he's a guy who I think has a chance to go up some rankings. You look at uh, some reports from this summer, uh, the way that he's looked, some improvements he's made. Uh, there's been a lot of the sort of regional national recruiting analysts have, have have eyeballed him as a guy who looks like he's trying to kind of take a step forward. And uh, that, that would be big uh, because, as you said, he's got the connection to B-May's elite. Uh, Tennessee does not have a ton of offers out there. And to offer a kid who right now has not started his junior season, that means he's he's pretty good. So – there, there's a lot of news there, obviously. We'll continue to follow all that with Tomba's recruitment, with um, with Edwards' recruitment. It's going to be a lot of people in on them. I know Georgetown, Auburn, Wake Forest, and others have also offered Tamba, so it's not like Tennessee's the first, but they're in there. Right. They're in the mix. They've been around him the whole time. Not a surprise. So there's plenty to monitor there. Uh, and it's interesting because anytime you get local prospects, I mean, it gets a lot more interest for for people locally too. So there's, you know, it, it's, it's a big story. So... There'll be stuff to, to follow there. But what we're going to do right now, guys, we're going to step away. We're overdue for a break. We're going to go away, pay some bills, listen to products and uh, services and house ads, all those other fun things. And then we're going to come back. And since it's the Thursday pod, well, we're going to come back with a mailbag. So uh, I don't know, Ramey, have you peeked at these questions? I have not peeked at them yet. I have peeked. Okay, so your answers will probably be better than mine. They probably were going to be better than mine anyway, but I haven't looked at the questions yet. So that's going to make it. Really interesting. We'll see how that goes. Back in a second, guys. Hashtag ad. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. 
during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Blunt County Satellite Office of Go Vols 24-7 here on a lovely, warm, sunny Thursday afternoon. Going to get into the mailbag here in just a second. Before we do that, though, I'm going to mention this again. Guys, please, please, please go in and rate and review this podcast. Hit the subscribe button. Mash that subscribe button, whether you're listening to us on uh, Spotify, you know, Apple Podcasts, you know, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, wherever you're getting this podcast, please, please don't just listen to it on the site. Uh, if you want to do it, we are, we're happy for that, but please, please go in there and hit the subscribe button, rate and review it. There are Tennessee fans all over the world. Uh, we've got a lot of them already listening to this podcast. We'd like to get even more. And the best thing you can do, we're happy to do this for free. But we really, really, it helps us. It helps our advertisers. helps Tennessee fans, really, if you go out there, rate and review, subscribe. Let's spread the word. Let's keep it going. And we'll keep getting this thing bigger and bigger. Grant, on to the mailbag for this week's edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast this Thursday edition, I should say. And we didn't have to take it to social media this week because we had enough uh, enough really good questions here on the Go Vols 24-7 checkerboard uh, to, to not need that. And, of course, I, I just said that I hadn't read them, and I haven't, so maybe they're not really good questions. But I'm guessing they are because GoVols 24-7 subscribers are pretty sharp people. So I'm going to guess, Grant, that these are good questions. Are they? Wes, Wes is the guy that comes into class right before the quiz and goes, did you study? No, I didn't study. Are you kidding me? We had a quiz today? We had a quiz yeah, today? Exactly. Yeah, I once... Uh, show- they are there. I can confirm that they're there. Yes, they're good questions. Okay, because I once uh, had the easiest math class in the at the college I went to. It was the easiest... went to UT. It was the easiest, easiest math class because I just wanted to take the three easiest ones because I hate math. I didn't need it really for a journalism degree, sports writing degree. So I was just going to go take the easiest math courses. And one of them... It was so easy that I knew I was only going to go show up for the test days, right? Just show up, figure out where they are on the syllabus, boom, boom, go take those four tests, get your A, and move on. I showed up on a Thursday, and the professor was lecturing. And I went, oh, God. Oh, no. And the test had been on the Tuesday, and I'd written it down wrong. So I ended up getting an F in the easiest math course at the university. Had to retake it, got an A, but still, that's how... That's my preparation skills there, Grant. Uh, we'll start here. Half of life is just showing up, Wes. Yeah, up. And, and trying to show up at the right day. You know, it is what it is, right? Going to start off with loud noises. He says, over, under, guys. Question on how many uh, signee East Tennessee squeezes into this class. He put the over, under at 26.5. Grant, you going over, under? Uh, Probably under because I, I don't know. I guess you can always get creative and and maybe get to 27, but 27 seems like a big number. But uh, let's, let's throw in the uh, the classic. The numbers always work themselves out. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go under. It'd be hard to get to 27. Yeah, I'm going to go under because it, it's not impossible to kind of massage the numbers with the, with the way that the rules are now, but it's more difficult than it used to be. And Tennessee's got a, a pretty full roster. I know they got a bunch of seniors, but it, it's, it's that that's going to be a tight – Tight squeeze. I, I I think I'm gonna go under on that, but nothing would surprise me. Uh, I I think it's. I'm not saying they couldn't find a way to do more with back counting and all these other things, but I, I'm gonna guess it's probably under, unless you want to count like preferred walk-ons and stuff, which I'm 
I wouldn't count, but you know, sometimes you get a really good walk on like the kicker that they've got committed. Now he's one, one of the top 10 or 15 kicker prospects in the country, I think. And he's, you know, he's uh, getting him as a preferred walk on. That's a pretty good deal. So sometimes you can do that. Uh, next question, all vol 96, what cars best fit or describe the individual personalities of yourself, which is me, uh, Ryan Grant and Patrick. Uh, Ryan, 2006 Nissan Altima. <laughs> um, Patrick, 2012 Ford um, Explorer. 2012 Ford Explorer? Wes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wes, 77 Gremlin hatchback. <laughs> five-door, not a hatchback, five-door. Uh yeah, you know what, Grant? I'm gonna be nice. You know, I'm, I'm I mean this. You're like, bro. You're a mail truck because nice. rain. What's a yeah, rain, sleet, sun, shine, hundred hundred degrees, ten degrees, thirty below zero, seven days a week. No matter what's going on, you are there and you're putting up your stories. You're putting up your content. You're getting your work done. You're a mail truck, man. That's what you are. Uh, I'm going to go Can it be like a UPS truck. The mail trucks look like a hunk of junk on wheels. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. You can be a UPS or FedEx truck. If you're listening, Fred Smith, uh, you know, you can, yeah, do that. You can be one of those. Basically you are the guy delivering stuff on time pretty much all the time. So that's what I'm going with there. Uh, with Pat, I'm trying to think Pat is like, if I could describe Pat, Pat is like 50% really one of the more pleasant people you'll ever be around. And then there's like a devil on his shoulder, uh, especially when he's behind the vehicle, the, the wheel of a car. Um, and occasionally uh, he gets kind of angry and I, I, I get a kick out of it. So I'm trying to figure out what personality would fit that kind of car. I think you're right with an SUV. Um, let's see here. Maybe like a top, uh, soft top Jeep. You can switch in between. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. That's a good one for him. I'm going to steal you. Yeah, I'm going to steal your thought there. That's a good one. Uh, Ryan, I think uh, four-door sedan for sure. Um, let's see here. Reliable. He's reliable um, in, in terms of you know what you're going to get every single day. Uh, I'll go – you said 2006 Altima. I'll go like – 2010 like white honda accord <laughs> i think yeah that 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 seems about right you know you know you know what you're gonna get it, it's a good solid reliable vehicle uh, although sometimes uh, it will annoy you so yeah there's that maybe it's got like a dent in the fender or something because uh, it's annoying sometimes uh me i don't know i'm kind of all over the place what'd you say 77 gremlin hatchback yeah yeah, um, maybe like an old VW bus or something. <laughs> I don't know. Because, I, I, you know, I'll surprise you sometimes, you know, because you, you look at those old, like, VW vans and stuff. Some people really, really love them, and some people really, really hate them. And that's probably kind of me, I guess, in a way. Uh, so I'm going to go with that, some sort of an old. They're ugly. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're not pleasant to look at, but some people really like them anyway. <laughs> And I think that's, <laughs> and they break down a lot. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, they might tumble down the stairs sometimes. 
you know, they, they might get uh, infections in both of their eyes for some freaking reason. Uh, they might have strokes. Um, but you know what they do? You just you get under the hood, you, you move a couple things around, connect some hoses, and they're going again. That's what I am. Next question here, uh, loud noises again. He said, is it just me or will every recruiting battle Tennessee has seem to be Tennessee versus some combination of Auburn and Georgia? Yeah, right now it does. Keep going. He, he has more. Uh, Am I mistaken or is that a different question? No, no, it, it's, a, it's the same question. He said, Brooks, Taylor, Mims, uh, Mondon, Green, Colsey, uh, TID, who everyone knows, uh, Ingram Dawkins, the big defensive lineman, or Gooch. Uh, he said, I know singular names typically don't make or break a recruitment, but how important is it that Tennessee has a good showing this season versus those two teams in particular? Uh, important with the, uh, with the hoping that they actually get to play those games. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's important. Um, it's, it's, I can hear Ryan Callahan in my head saying, you know, singular wins and losses aren't that huge in recruiting, but I think it, there is a, there's some weight there when it's a head to head battle in Tennessee's, uh, going up against uh, a Georgia and then Auburn and, and other teams of this conference as well. Uh, but yeah, those two are popular ones. He's right there. Um, and if you can show that success, I mean, that's what you're selling. Uh, I've heard Josh Pate say it before on the late kick. You don't have, when you're Tennessee, you, you really don't have the recent past to sell. You're trying to sell the future and the progress and what you can do compared to these other programs uh, for a prospect. So if you can show that head-to-head success where you're headed, um, I think that for sure uh, is a pretty big deal. It is. Now, I think any good recruiter can sell any situation. So if you lose a game, you're like, hey, obviously we need you more than the other team does. Right. Look, you right. know, I mean, so I think it's important. Uh, the Auburn game, you know, winning that one would be nice, especially going down there for like a second time in three years or whatever, or second time in four years, whatever it is, and second time in three years. And, and beating them, that would be that would be big. Um, because Tennessee and Auburn just they've always have and always will go against each other in recruiting. It just seems like Tennessee and Auburn all the time want the same guys. Uh, so that's and just, especially now with Jeremy Pruitt as your head coach and, and all the yes. natural ties that he has to the state of Alabama. Absolutely. And Georgia, you know, Georgia, it, it, it's kind of like it, it's obviously not Bama because Georgia needs to win the big game and prove it can do that. But um, you know, Georgia, with as much talent as they have there, I think as long as you play better against them, I think that's you're fine. I don't know that you necessarily need to win that game. Uh, I think if you just continue to be more and more competitive, uh, to answer the question is, you know, in order to have some recruiting success, just look like you're a little better against them. You know, uh, go out there and play, play it closer. I, I think that would help. Nobody wants to hear that because you're Tennessee and you want to beat Georgia, but you're talking about the recruiting for now. Um, yeah, you just just go out there and play better in that game. You know, I think Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee last year showed some nice fight in that game. It's just that when the tide turned like that, it was you could see the difference in talent in class, and it was different. Right. You know, uh, let's see here. Uh, next question. Uh, he said regarding two sport guys like Malachi Weidman, who's Tennessee football signing wide receiver, who also was a like a four star basketball prospect. He said, how does that work? Do those guys do anything with basketball concurrently with football or do they wait until football season is completely over? I'll, I'll answer this one first, Grant. Football comes first. It just does. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, you're a football prospect, a football recruit who signed a football scholarship. Football is going to come first, you know, seven days a week. And in a world where the schedule is normal, 
and it's laid out normal, maybe you go through the season, uh, play a bowl game, whatever, and then maybe you can uh, focus on basketball for a minute. But it's, it's uh, I don't know, Pruitt back on signing day, you know, it was like 10 years ago, but he said, you know, we, we talked to them about being two sport athletes deep back with as well uh, in that football signing class. Um, and obviously Malachi Weidman being a four-star prospect in basketball like he was in football means he's a talented basketball player, but football is going to be the focus. And, and basically uh, you'll believe it when you see it in terms of what kind of impact they'll have on, uh, in basketball or how much uh, they'll actually get to do with the basketball team, basketball program. Yeah, I think most people are aware of this rule, but I'll go ahead and throw it out there just in case and there are some people out there who don't know it. If you play, if you're a scholarship athlete at the NCAA level and you play two sports and one of them is football, you have to be on a football scholarship. So and I, a lot of people call that the Bear Bryant rule uh, because, you know, there used to be a, like Alabama would have like a billion players on the team and some of them would be like on track scholarships as shot putters and really they were linemen you know, or sprinters when they were really wide receivers. And they weren't the only ones who did that, but but they were certainly one of the ones who did that. So they've passed the rule years and years ago that if you're going to play both sports or multiple sports and one of them is football, you have to be on a football scholarship, which is a really smart, a really good rule. It makes sense. Uh, so that way other sports don't get shortchanged. Um, and I, I just think that's that's an important rule. So with that said, if you are on a football scholarship and I am your football coach, you are spending your season time and preparation time on football. And I don't always love sports specialization for younger kids. I think that it's still at the high school level. You should be playing multiple sports. I think there are benefits to that. I think it's good for your for your body to different have different skills. I think it's good for the mind to mix things up when you're a kid. I don't love single sport specialization. But when you get to college, uh, if you're on a football scholarship, uh, you should be spending a vast majority of your time playing football. And then when the season's over – if you want to miss spring practice to, to play baseball during the season, okay, cool, that's fine. Uh, if you want to go when the season's over in football, you know, start working out after the bowl game and then play later in the season in basketball, cool, whatever, no problem there. Uh, but during the season and during the summer, you're a football guy. It's the South. Football comes first in everything. Yeah. All walks of life. I think that's fair. A couple more here from Loud Noises before we move on. He had a bunch of good questions. He said, what's the worst sequel? Anchorman 2, Dumb and Dumber 2, Matrix 2, Ocean's 12, Caddyshack 2, or other? Second question, best sequel not named Godfather 2 or Empire Strikes Back? I haven't seen any of the sequels listed, thankfully. The only one I have seen that he listed was Godfather 2. Um, so I don't have one on this list. I'm going to go outside of the movie world. Somebody tell me why season two of The Wire is so bad. Explain it to me. Um, why does everybody hate it? Uh, because at the time it was so different because you got really into the story in the first season and you didn't know exactly how the whole thing was going to play out over five seasons with things being different every season and you just you got really into the characters in the first season, and then it just completely throws you a curveball. And at the time, I think that's why a lot of people got so frustrated by it. The more I've watched it, the more I've liked it. Yes, it's good. It's great. I loved it. Uh, I'm, I'm, no spoilers, I'm halfway through season four. I've never watched the show before, uh, before the last couple of months. But season two is great. I don't know what everybody's talking about. Everybody stop hating. But you, you can go ahead. I'm sure you've seen all these sequels. Yeah. I'm, in terms of... 
just the very, very worst, I'll probably go maybe Caddyshack 2 uh, compared to the first one. Like, it's just why did this have to be made? Um, I, that that would bother me. None of those are particularly great, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I wasn't going to see Dumb and Dumber 2 for a reason because for my generation, Dumb and Dumber, the original was a cult classic. Yeah, and I, I can... Don't, I, I don't want to see what version they would put out there as a sequel. Yeah, I think, and it depends on exactly what you consider, like, sequels, because, like, can you really consider... You can't really consider any Bond movie a sequel because there's been, like, you know, 30 of them or 35 of them or whatever, so it's hard to, to do that. I would say, um, off the top of my head, uh, The Dark Knight, uh, I think, was was just better than the previous Batmans of that genre that Nolan had done. I, I think that was a really, really good one. Uh, that one, um, that one was really good. I would say that, um, the second X-Men movie, uh, X2, I thought was better than the, the original. I think that was a really good one. Um, you know, if you want to consider this a sequel, I mean, Lord of the, the, the two towers and the return of the King, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. If you consider those sequels, I think those are exceptional movies. So there, there I have be been more loss. Do what now? I couldn't be more lost. <laughs> you, you lost me after the dark nights. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you do see some situations where, uh, obviously everybody knows Godfather two and a lot of those others empire strikes back. Obviously a lot of people know that too. Um, but I think, yeah. Uh, do you consider like Christmas vacation a sequel? Because there had no been way. lampoons before it, you know. I don't know. I mean, uh, can I say na- Naked Gun thirty three and a third? There you go. There you go. There's a fun one. Um, Next question. Yeah, that's there, there's some good ones. There's some good sequels out there. Uh, he said, "Okay, uh, ooh, ooh, here's a tough one. Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, Dan Mullen. Who finishes their career with the most national championships as a head coach?" Oh boy. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is uh, at the biggest disadvantage among those three at the current level because of what he's trying to build at Tennessee um, and what Smart and Mullen have in terms of the programs they inherited uh, and the access to talent they have um, compared to Pruitt. Uh, It feels like if Kirby hasn't won one by now, when's he going to win one? Uh, even though he did get Georgia a national championship game, but the way he recruits at such an elite level, you it makes you wonder why they haven't done more. Um, maybe he runs into one eventually. Mullen's a guy that I, I don't know. He's he's it's like we've talked about on this pod before. It seems like he's the worst coach in the country in the off season, uh, and then the regular season rolls around, and, and he just is a beast. Uh, finds ways to win football games. Um, I think if Pruitt can stack recruiting classes and get kind of some semblance of, um, I don't know, competitiveness, uh, roster competitiveness, uh, close the talent gap a little bit. I think he might be the one of the better on-field coaches among those three, but I think Kirby Smart in terms of what he inherited and where he's coaching, he should be the guy that on that list probably wins some national titles. Yeah, this is an outstanding question because Smart, as you said, is the closest of the three right now. There, there's always that question, if he hasn't by now, when will he? Uh, but, you know, I mean, the, the same thing was said about guys like Fulmer when, when Manning was there, and then he, he went out and, and, and won one. So uh, it, it, it can happen, 
Uh, you know, I mean, when you're in the mix every year, you're bound to go win one at some point. It, it's, it's like anything else. If you're, you know, unless you're the Buffalo Bills, if you just keep getting there, you're, you're probably going to get one at some point. Um, so that that would be the argument there with Pruitt. You don't know because there's so much promise as a head coach, a young head coach, but but he's not had the talent to really show what he can do yet. So you don't know can he can he build a roster to capable of doing that, which it looks like he, he's starting to to you can see some some potential there. Um, but you and you've seen him be a pretty good in game coach, I think. Pretty aggressive at the right times, smart at the right times. He's managed games, I think, pretty well, with the exception of a couple of clock deals here and there, but no college team ever knows how to handle the clock. So I, I, I think that's the argument there. And with Mullen, his teams, he's never, I don't even, I don't think he's ever going to have a bad team because he's too good of a coach to ever have a bad team. Uh, he has really weird off seasons and he messes a lot of things up there and he's awkward as hell, but season starts, rolls out there and he's always a good coach, but, um, is he recruiting at a high enough level to win a national championship? I think that's a fair question, uh, because you can get yourself into the top 10 by coaching really well the way he does, uh, and he's not been at Florida forever, so let's see what he can do when he's there for a while. But you just – it's hard, unless you're recruiting at such an elite level, it's hard to kind of go win a football national title. It just it just is. I would say if you put a gun to my head right now, the safe money would be on Smart because he seems like the safest bet to get one. Uh, that People might be running off the rails right now, but I, they're closer right now. And right. they're they're still recruiting at a ridiculous level, so they're going to be in there every year. So for at least a little while, that's why I would say that. Uh, next question, uh, we're going to start moving quicker now. Uh, this is from down from the door. Uh, besides playing games, what does the football team need in order to break back into the upper echelon of programs? Uh, example: overall talent, experience, leadership, institutional support, etc. Follow up. When will that happen? So when will Tennessee get back to the upper echelon and what has to happen to get there? Uh, if I knew when it was going to happen, I would go buy a lottery ticket um, because if I could tell you when that would happen, I could probably tell you Powerball numbers. I think people have been waiting on that for a long time. What it needs is continuity, um, consistency. Um, there's been so many changes dating back the last, what, 12 years Um just find a head coach that works, which you hope Jeremy Pruitt is that guy after striking out the last three times. Um, even if you do turn over, staff turnover is going to happen every year in college football because that's just the way that's just the way of the land these days. Uh, just keep a good competitive staff uh, that recruits well, like this one does, and can do it on the field uh, and keep stacking up as much talent as you can stack up in every single signing class uh, and go out there and try to win as many games as you can. It, it starts with continuity, uh, uh, not having to you know, clean house and start over so many times that when you do that, like Tennessee's done the last decade, this is where it gets you at a point where you're, you're building uh, a pretty big project. So find something that works and stick with it uh, and find some continuity. Yeah. The simplest way I can break down how you put yourself into the elite category for college football teams. If you were to say, you have to say this in one sentence, I would say this, be elite at quarterback or be elite everywhere else. That is the simplest way to answer that question. You can either be really, really elite at quarterback or you can have a game manager there or or just a solid player there and be really, really good everywhere else. Those are the two safest ways, Um, you know, and and so you kind of hope to win the quarterback lottery in terms of getting the right guy. 
uh, because, you know, in, in college, the right quarterback can, I mean, he can keep you in every game, you know. I mean, that that's huge. Uh, and you're going to need a defense at some point to win a national title, uh, but just to be an elite team, I've seen I've seen upper echelon teams that played a lot of fifty to forty five games. They're an upper echelon team. They might not win a national title, but you know, hey, they're they're a really good team who can beat anybody. So I, I would say that continuity, as Grant said, is important. Um, you just have to, if you're not going to be able to beat Alabama on signing day, you have to beat Alabama every other day. Uh, you just have to evaluate better. Uh, you have to uh, train better, find different ways to do things. You have to get it right. Develop better. Yes, develop better. Have a system that goes well, uh, that, that you recruit to that system and you get the right guys. I know Pruitt says he likes players more than systems, but, you know, have an identity that you want, you know, kind of a mental makeup for your players. Uh, that – cultures make you elite uh, players can get it started but if you want to be an elite culture again um, you, you just you have to you have to build that culture you have to build something that will last when you lose 10 or 12 guys to the draft every year you know if that's how it goes you just you have to do that so simplest way is to get really really good at quarterback or get get good at anywhere else but there's a lot of things you got to do uh, next question, uh, who will be the alpha – this is also from down from the door. Who will be the alpha leaders on this year's Tennessee basketball team? They seem to have a great influx of young talent, uh, but the older guys like Fulkerson and Pons don't seem to exhibit ideal classic leadership traits uh, like Williams, Schofield, Turner, et cetera. Uh, I would go with Josiah Jordan-James. Yep. Um, I think it's his program at this point um, as, as much – NBA attention and notoriety as Eve Pons got uh, being the defensive player of the year last year and, and uh, the development that he had and John Fulkerson having a breakout year and adding guys like Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, and all those guys, I still think Josiah is kind of the face of the program uh, at this point. Um, polished kid, speaks, uh, you know, when you have him in a press conference setting, he's very impressive Just, the way yeah. he carries himself. Smart kid. Uh, what he can do on the floor. I mean, he's he's a little bit of a total package. I think he's the guy that um, he can help. I don't, I don't think Keon Johnson needs a ton of help or Jaden Springer, but he can help kind of guide those guys through what the, the freshman experience is like. And and I think he's a guy that also he's he's kind of a glue guy. He's going to be able to um, handle the ball if he has to, play off the ball if he has to, play on the wing. Uh, I think he could go down to play a, a four kind of forward role so I, I think he can do a ton on the floor and I think he can be that guy off the floor yeah uh Fulkerson and Pons are both kind of more lead by example guys you know Ful, you know Pons right. is a quiet guy um and, and Fulkerson's definitely not quiet um you know he's he's something you know I don't I don't know what you would call it you know um he's something he's a character that's for sure uh but he's also a guy who puts in work every single day on a serious level uh, but he's not really kind of get in your face and get after you kind of leader. That's just not that's not his personality. If I had to name a couple guys, and I'm not going to mention the the newcomers because I don't know enough about them yet. Uh, I haven't seen them in enough practice settings just to know who kind of has that and who doesn't. So if I had to look at two guys on the team who have those. Uh, veterans who have maybe that kind of ability, I would say Josiah Jordan James comes to mind. And a, another guy, if he'll if he'll play, I think Plavsich is a guy who has some of those characteristics. He's a big, big guy, so people tend to gravitate toward him. Uh, you know, he, he's not scared of anything. Uh, he's just kind of a big physical dude, but he's also got a lot of personality. 
Uh, he's a guy who, if he could become a solid player in the rotation, he has, I think, maybe some of those traits. You know, he's not afraid to get in anybody's face at any time for any reason. So, yeah, I mean, it, they don't really have a classic guy like that on the roster. So by default, maybe it is Josiah. Unless one of these freshmen I, steps up and grabs it. If I had to go with a dark horse and I uh, kind of that veteran presence, I think, I think, I know I think you could going. go with EJ Anasicki. Yep. Um, he is a guy that um, there's been so many rave reviews and so much positive stuff about Keon Johnson and just kind of what kind of player he is and what kind of player he's shown uh, he can be since he got to campus. And obviously there's going to be a ton of hype with Jaden Springer uh, kind of having that same five-star billing. Uh, but EJ Anasicki, the way it was, Des Oliver said last week, he has a grown man mindset. He kind of has, he works like a uh, kind of works like an NBA veteran in terms of how he carries himself and, and what he does on a daily basis. Uh, basically, the way it was explained to me, when you get a graduate transfer, they're coming to your program to help themselves move forward. They want to play on a bigger stage and show what they can do uh, on that stage based on what they did uh, the previous years at a smaller school. Uh, so they're kind of playing for themselves a little bit more than maybe they're playing for the program because obviously they just showed up. Uh, but the way EJ has been explained to me, it's like, he's been here for four years. He knows what the program stands for. He knows what it's about. Uh, he grew up a, a Tennessee basketball fan because of his sister watching Nick Anasicki win a couple national titles with the lady Vols. So just the way he carries himself, the way he leads, uh, I think he could be that guy. Um, even though he's a guy that just showed up, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. That family has character coming out of its ears. Um, they're just an incredibly, they're, they're an, yeah, it's true. That's true. And rebounding. They're just an incredibly character and rebounding. They're what we do. They're a tough minding family. Yeah. That's like, they should be from Maryland. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, they're a really tough kind of hard nosed, like, you know, get your work done, like classic kind of, you know, second generation immigrant family. Like they're just, they're really, really, really hardworking. They, they take advantage of opportunities when they get them. Uh, they're just, I, there's a lot to like about that family. Uh, and I think that he's someone who uh, could be impressive. I'd like to see VJ Bailey too, what kind of a presence he has, especially if he's going to be a guy who could be the starting point guard. Um, right. There's going to be some push to get him there. Uh, a couple more questions before we get out of here. Uh, down from the door says, assuming students will be on campus for fall practices and then they start as currently planned, how will the staff manage recruiting visits in absence of officials? Are there any targets the staff absolutely pushing to get on campus? To answer the last question, yes, there are targets they're absolutely pushing to get on campus. The question of how they're going to do that, Grant, that that remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, any prospect they're chasing at this point, any prospect you want, football or basketball, you're pushing to get them. Uh, on campus the problem is trying to figure out when campus visits are going to resume and and if when and if there's any sense of normalcy uh, moving forward in recruiting from the visit aspect um, that I don't think that's something that's because there's so much other stuff to talk about with sports moving forward right now college sports that recruiting visit aspect hasn't really been talked about much but basketball plans its official visits around big football games because they want prospects to be in the middle of a really impressive atmosphere at Neyland stadium. You want them there for Florida. You want them there for Georgia, those type of games, Alabama and and football does the same thing. They plan junior days and stuff in the, in the winter around big basketball games, official visits uh, around that time for big basketball games, because you want to get them in Thompson bowling arena when it's sold out, when Kentucky's here, Florida's here, whatever and see that kind of fan support, that kind of intensity, 
that atmosphere and moving forward with no fans or limited fans at best, that's going to change a ton about how, I don't know, on-campus recruiting. I think, I don't know if it changes a ton, but it's going to affect on-campus recruiting uh, and how it's planned and how it's executed given this ever happens anytime soon in terms of getting prospects on campus uh, and kind of recruiting gets back to normal a little bit. Uh, a couple more questions, two more, and then we're out of here. Uh, question from down uh, DFTD said podcasts are very much very, uh, one-way communication and they can be consumed whenever, wherever, however a listener wants. So I'm listening, uh, wondering if it's difficult connecting with an audience and how do you get a feel for whether it's resonating? Do you ever think about what your audience is doing while listening? Do you ever go back and listen to them yourselves? Basically, how do you get in the podcast zone? I've never been in the podcast zone for a second in my life, ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think what what are these people thinking when they listen to me? They're probably thinking, "Who is this idiot?" and tell them to shut up. Ah, come on, give yourself a little more credit than that. Come on, you're the I listen to podcasts. You're the you're the FedEx. You're, you're the UPS truck. You're the FedEx truck. I, I listen to pods while I'm at the yard, uh, while I run, um, when I'm driving. Just about, I mean, I, I'm not a huge music guy. I listen to more podcasts uh, than music. So hopefully uh, it's just an enjoyable conversation that keeps your attention. Yeah, I listen to music podcasts and uh, books also. So I, I listen to things throughout the day. Uh, and my wife says I listen to them too loud. So I'm going to ruin my hearing. I'm like, well, everything else is You're ruined. Like 78. So yeah, why, why not? Why not ruin my hearing too? It doesn't really matter. Everything else sucks. Uh, turn up, turn up the hearing aid before you put the earbud in. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alma, turn up your battery or whatever from Sister Act. Uh, yeah, I would say uh, you know I, I've hosted a couple of radio shows before on a daily basis. This is a different platform because you can't just have a day where Swain and I would say, "Screw it, let's just open up the phones and take calls for a while and see what people want to talk about." Uh, you can't really do that um, because you can't. You know, there's a situation like this where you can take questions, but you you can't it's harder sometimes to get the pulse of the emotion without kind of hearing fans and their questions and how they're asking them. It's different certainly. Um, but I still think of it as, uh, the same way I did the radio show, just flip it on, hit the red button and let's go. Um, you know, I, I, I think people want to hear football, uh, basketball news. They also want some personality. So give them a little bit of all that stuff. Everyone's different. Um, people are listening to these at different times. So we try to you know, we try to get them to a time where you can listen to them comfortably in either one or two sittings. Uh, you try to make some evergreen so people can go back and listen to them without having to just get breaking news because you want to hear topics that you can go back and visit a couple months later. Or, you know, if you're having a your boring time in the offseason, you really got a hankering for, you know, you got a craving for Tennessee sports, well, you go in and listen to a couple old podcasts and, you know, you can, you can get some stuff from that. So I, I, I think – I try to put myself in the mind of a listener and what they want to hear um, and then mix that with what we know we can do. So it, it, there's not a science for it. You just try to go about it the best you can. But, you know, it's you're, you're trying to get better every week, basically, just like a football team does. Every time we do these, every time we, we do another podcast, I hope that they get better than the one before them. So and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But I don't think it's that difficult. Uh, Try to get one percent better. Right now, I'm at twenty-seven percent. One percent better every day. Uh, last question here from. Uh, see if I can. My, 
I suck right now. P. Lee 18, I believe, is this name, although I'm a little fuzzy on that. Uh, let's see here. Good questions, though, uh, and we can do these quickly before we get out of here. Best guess at stat leaders for Tennessee football with one, rushing yards and touchdowns, two, receiving yards and touchdowns, three, total tackles, four, sacks, five, interceptions. Uh, rushing yards, Eric Gray, uh, and touchdowns, uh, receiving Josh Palmer. I think I would go with him receiving and touchdowns. Um, total tackles, Henry Totoa. Um, sacks is a really good question. Um, I don't know. Yeah, my answers. Yeah, my answers. I don't know. Go ahead. Well, no, my I'll answers. Be to hear yours. My answers would for the first three would be exactly what yours are. Um, I think that Gray, Palmer, and Toto are the easy answers there. Sacks. That's a really good question. I would have maybe gone with Kavaris Crouch, but if he's going to play inside linebacker. Um, mm-hmm. then, then I'll probably go with Kevon Bennett just because he kind of has a knack for getting back there. Uh, he, right. he, he's not maybe the – he's obviously – when you're Biscuit Bennett's son, you're not going to be necessarily as good as he is because that dude's a legend. Um, but this guy just kind of knows how to play the game. He's smart. Uh, he's kind of clever with some of his moves. He just finds a way to get into the backfield and make stuff happen. Have a yeah, Look out for Roman Harrison. I think he's a guy who could do some damage. Um, but I think Bennett will be more of an every-down player – um, you know, and I think he'll get more than Johnson will. So I'll, I'll go with him for that. Um, what do you think on sacks? Yeah. Um, Bennett's probably somebody I would agree with. Um, he was probably the first name that popped in my head. I think it's just cause I have so many answers right there. I mean, you're, you're starting life over without Daryl Taylor and trying to figure out, um, let's say, I mean, they're starting over at receiver a little bit, but Josh Palmer, you a little bit, you know what you're getting there to some extent. Kevon uh, Bennett, you've seen it in flashes. If he can do it consistently, yeah, I think he would be that guy. Uh, last one uh, is interceptions. I think this is interesting. Uh, my thoughts on this are that Tennessee's not going to have anybody who gets like four or five, but I think Tennessee could have a bunch of guys who get two and a couple guys who get three. Um, I think it'll just be that yeah, kind of year because like because Bryce Thompson will probably not be picked on too much. I would imagine. Uh, so I think that'll give guys like Alante Taylor and Kenny George a chance to get more picks because I think they'll be thrown against more. Uh, and Taylor's a guy who's shown he can make some plays. So look out for him in terms of getting interceptions. Uh, Tank McCullough's a guy who can get around the ball and do some stuff. I still really – if he can if he can stay healthy, I like Flowers. I like Trayvon Flowers. I just think he has to stay healthy. You know, he's, he's a good baseball player. He can track the ball. He's, he's an athletic kid. Just he has to stay healthy. Uh, if he does that, I think he has a chance. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say um, probably that. Schamberger's only got one last year, and it came in the bowl game. I don't know if he'll get a ton. Uh, he could probably get one or two. If I had to guess right now, I'll say Taylor. I'll go Thompson just because he's st- wearing number zero, and I love that. Uh, and he had three interceptions and a half one time, and that was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> If I'm not mistaken. So if you can pick off three passes and a half, I think you can lead Tennessee in interceptions, even if people uh, are probably going to tend to stay away from you based on uh, what you've done in the past. Yeah, I wonder if UAB even read the scouting report because it was like, don't go after that guy. Hey, there's the one guy there you don't throw at. Don't throw at 20. Don't throw at 20. Hey, guys, don't throw at 20. And uh, they kept doing it, and uh, it, it kept not working out so well. So, yeah. didn't work out, but, hey, somebody who has, like, two interceptions might lead the team because how many games are they going to play? 
<laughs> There's going to be a lot of asterisks in uh, record books moving forward, media guys, all that stuff. That's a really good point. It's a really good point. We've gone a little bit over on time, so I'm going to go ahead and get out of here unless, Grant, you got anything else. I got nothing. I'm, I'm out of the zone. <laughs> yeah, you're out of the zone, and this is more talking than you'll do in a week sometimes. So we'll, we'll, get, you, we'll get you out of here. Thanks, buddy. See you. Guys, thank you. As always, for tuning in, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, no no personal data, just Tennessee news, you can go to twitter.com slash govals247 and get that, or you can go to facebook.com slash govals247. Not just Tennessee stuff on there, but primarily Tennessee and SEC stuff on there. Uh, there's a, re- a lot of really good stuff there on the Facebook page. A lot of people will go there and check that. that. So go do that at govals twenty or facebook.com slash govals247, or get that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water right from the tap, right from the source. Go to that beautiful clear mountain stream at govals247.com. Right now, i got a 50% off deal, our 10-year anniversary sale, so you can get uh, an annual subscription for 50% off. That's a really good deal. And if you're a member already with us and you pay full price, then you get access to CBS All Access for free. That is CBS's streaming platform. Nobody else really can can offer you something like this, but but we can. So there's a lot of stuff on there. Every show that CBS has ever done, uh, there's tons of movies that go in and out every month, live sports, including right now the the UEFA Champions League, uh, the the Europa League. Those are both on there, streaming only on uh, CBS All Access. Uh, You can get, uh, when football comes back, you get SEC football, NFL football, uh, March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournament, SEC basketball, all kinds of stuff on there, World Series of Poker stuff. Uh, and on top of that, you get uh, basically everything from the Comedy Central catalog and from the uh, a lot of stuff from Smithsonian Channel, uh, from MTV, uh, from BET, and also Nickelodeon for the kids. So there's a lot of stuff on there that <coughs> cock off Ramey and, and Callahan can, can get some stuff there on Nickelodeon for the kiddos. That's $100 annual value for free, for free. If you just sign up with GoVols 24-7 and you pay us full price, which is less than one cheap lunch per month. So go do that. One mediocre lunch. That's it. That's all it is. Go do that. And uh, lastly, uh, if you don't hear anything else from us, uh, please go rate and review this podcast. And if you don't hear anything else from us, it'll be Monday morning before you hear us again. Unless something breaks before then, which is always possible. See you. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.